0: Women Uncut. My name is Pinky Gandhiali. I'm the founder and CEO of netwomen.co, where we inspire, support and include women from all over the world to get to the top. Our mission is the 50-50 gender split at the top and to close the gender and ethnicity gap, creating equity and celebrating equality. I'm also the CEO and founder of Mindset by Pinky, where I help people overcome imposter syndrome and limiting beliefs through NLP and hypnosis to break the glass ceiling. And you can book your discovery call with me by following the link at the end. Every month we will be bringing you our latest updates from netwomen.co and our community. We'll also be chatting about stories we found particularly newsworthy and giving our opinions on them. We will have a variety of speakers joining me each month from the Net Women community and having those conversations that we don't normally talk about. And today I'm delighted to be here with Jess Hegreen. and she is the founder of That Works For Me. I'm going to ask her to tell us more because I can't wait to chat with her about all things that she does for women, about women and helping women. So Welcome Jess.
1: Thanks for having me. Hi, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. How about yourself? Yeah, good. We've just been talking, haven't we, offline about the uh,
1: joys of camping and feeling a little bit sleepy after saving four children under eight camping for three nights. I don't know what possessed me to think it was a good idea, but I'm here.
0: <laughs> here. Well done. <laughs> I think you deserve a pat on the back for that. I don't know how you managed to do camping and especially with four children under the age of eight. Oh my goodness.
1: I took my mum with me this time, so it was, you know, slightly easier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fantastic! Um, so let's get right into it. Tell us how you got to where you are today in thirty seconds or less.
1: My goodness, that's a that's a big ask, isn't it? So I worked in financial mm-hmm. services straight out of university. I was on every succession plan, every talent plan. Uh, youngest director in the group I think by 27, 28. Uh, I had my first child four years later um, and like so many other women I very quickly fell out of the corporate world. Um, I kept meeting people exactly like me, women in the same boat and I realised how little there is in the way of support for professional women after having children and how there's a real lack of careers so I set up a business called That Works For Me. I'm conscious of my 30 seconds here. Set up a business called That Works for Me to try and combat that.
0: Amazing. And and uh that was your why for starting it. What mm-hmm. made you start your own business? I mean, what was it that what was your trigger?
1: So I'd always had an idea that I would run my own business. My uh both my parents did. Um so I grew up in a, I don't know if you'll call it an entrepreneurial household. My dad was a um Uh, Well, actually, he left a really interesting story. He left the Navy when he was 16. Um, Sorry, joined the Navy at 16 and left when he was 22 and had absolutely no idea what to do. So he put an advert in the paper, as you did back then, and he um, got a job to fix. So he put a job out for a a handyman, and his first job was to fix a sink, which he'd never done before. So he went to the library, took out a book on how to do plumbing, and he went and he fixed this customer sink. And now he builds, you know, that million pound houses and and they sell them on. So I guess watching that journey when I was younger, I did his books for him from about the age of 11, you know, used to do all his VAT returns and everything, so I'm obviously familiar with myself now. Um, And my mum, interestingly, used to, before we all had computers, she used to type up manuscripts so if somebody wanted to write a book they would obviously handwrite it she'd then get all the handwritten notes she'd type it into a computer in their very early days and then they'd get sent off to the publishers um and obviously that with the flexibility of that job around us three young children um was something I kind of witnessed from from day one so there was obviously something there in the back of my mind all through my corporate career that that's something that I wanted to do long term um the other, of course, reality, I think, is that after you have children, the options that are available to you are can be really difficult to find. Um, obviously, being in this space now, I always think, oh, there are loads of people, you know, that help, help mums find work and that type of thing. But I think if you're not in that space and you don't know the market, it, there's no obvious place to go for someone to help you find something with flexibility, with remote working, flexible hours, whatever it might be. And if a job doesn't explicitly state that that is available to you, then I think you think that, you know, that's that's not there and that doesn't exist. So, yeah, that works for me. I definitely set up to try and bring more of those opportunities to the people that needed them.
0: Did you set that up after you'd, you'd started thinking about having children? Yeah,
1: absolutely. That was the main driver. So when I had my first, who's now seven, almost eight... I went back into uh, my old job and I had agreed a flexible working pattern. But at the time I was on the board of the commercial division of the company that I worked for. I was the only female. I was the only mum. I was the only primary caregiver. And although, you know, on paper we'd all said, yeah, of course, I'll, you know, I'll work flexibly. I'll do Sundays remotely. I'll uh, work Monday to Thursday. The reality was that I always talk about this thing called a flexible working culture, that that wasn't there to support what I was doing. So although on paper I had what I wanted, if they wanted a meeting on a Friday afternoon when I was at home with my baby, then that happened and it didn't really matter whether I was there or not. So I constantly felt like I was kind of playing catch up or just not contributing in the way that I had always been used to contributing. You know, I was someone who always liked to excel and be the absolute best at everything to constantly be on the back foot I found really really hard Um, and I don't know I always talk about falling pregnant again I don't know whether the circumstances led me to having another baby quite quickly or whether you know I don't I'm not quite sure which one came first but anyway when I fell pregnant with number two so she's now five I thought i'm probably not going to come back to this i had 600 people working for me across different parts of the uk i've been you know driving around like a mad woman trying to see them all i had four different business units as well that we were some of them we were growing some of them we were shrinking i was doing tenders they were all quite separate from one another Um, and trying to you know get my head around that keep on top of my board role being pregnant and having a 18-month-old baby I just I just said this is this is too much um and at the time that was completely the right the decision
0: yeah I wonder if you're talking about this being seven years ago and five years ago do you think anything has changed
1: so there's this really strange when you when you enter into a field and you'll notice Pinky, when you decide to kind of focus on something, my focus has obviously been flexible working, finding work for mums and helping mums kind of get their career back up sorry, get their careers back after they have a the family. you are falsely immersed in a world where you see a lot of that. And so my LinkedIn feed, for example, is full of experts on flexible working, on cultural change in business and, you know, diversity experts, and we all talk about the same thing. When I take myself out of that and I start talking to businesses, so I've spoken, this morning's a great example, I've spoken to uh, somebody in insurance and I've spoken to some another company in financial services. Yes, they've come on a tiny bit, but... Nothing like the the way that we talk about it and the expectation. So I think it's it's very easy to convince myself that actually lots more companies are doing this, but the reality is when I talk to businesses, some of them have moved on a bit, but don't get me wrong, there are still a lot of organisations out there saying, you come back to the office five days a week and you'll be here for 10 hours of nine to five. I would love to say that everybody's changed, but they haven't. There's definitely been progress. There's definitely been movement. There's definitely board level commitment to diversity that we haven't seen before and I think that's often demonstrated by the number of um companies recruiting for a specific diversity role I'm that's quite a good indicator um but it's not fixed this you know this isn't a COVID unfortunately didn't give us the thing in the hand that said oh here you go companies get the flexible working now lots of them just said I don't like this very much I'll put up with it for a while um now let's get back to normal which is really sad but it
0: happened yeah i saw this uh this um article that came up on linkedin about a company saying that if you're not going to work and come back to the office then you're going to get fired um can they do that can they actually do that from an hr point of view and a, a, you know a law point of view especially since everyone's been working absolutely fine from home and and that's proof right we've got a nearly two years of proof that this has actually worked out fine um in fact better productivity wise but then you've got companies that saying that is that allowed so uh, no
1: the problem the problem is that Contractually, we when you join an organisation, you you don't contest what it says in your contract. And look, I'm no HR, HR expert here. I should just I should just caveat that. But you're legally, if your contract says that you're based in the office, because although everybody works differently, fundamentally our terms and conditions don't don't say that. And organisations have within their gift the right to say, well, actually, in the same way that they can just decide to move an office, they can change the location from which you work. The reality is that all of the I always call them good businesses, which is wrong because it you know suggests that there are bad businesses out there. The good ones said, right, hang on a minute. We they went and they had a look at their productivity and said, right, what actually happened over the last two years? Did it drop off a cliff? Has our profitability been affected? Has our efficiency been affected? All of those things. Most of them found that no, it hasn't, and their um, their performance has actually improved. But there are a whole new raft of issues. For example, you know, training is the one that's thrown at me, you know, most commonly. And how do you um, embed new team members into the organisation? So there are two kind of big challenges that people face. I think there's a real line manager issue. So if you're asking someone to manage a team who are sat in front of them, where they see and they hear what they're doing you then take that away from them and they're expected to manage them you know how how do they do that and there are ways around all of these things I should I can come onto those but I think I think the, the challenges are very different the good organizations have gone okay cool so we found a way of um assessing our performance seeing what works we've talked to our people and we found out what they want and you know in most cases people have said Actually, I do like coming into the office sometimes, but, you know, being able to work from home two or three days, days a week or be able to be open about the fact that I'm off to do the school run at this time and that type of thing um, makes it a lot easier. And they will find their they are finding that their engagement and their loyalty and all of those um, indicators of happy people are increasing, which is great. Um, I think if if there's an opposite, and we're talking about bad organisations, they're the ones who've ignored everything that their teams have told them, and they've said that visibility is king here, if I see you, I know you're doing your job, which actually I think is, is wrong, there's a real lack of trust there in people, and... And just a, a, a denial, really, about their their performance and what they can do long term. I think the way that plays out is that the the best organisations get access to the best possible talent, and the the other organisations will dip out. But I think it will take a while for that to play out.
0: Yeah, I think you've raised some really good points there. Um, I've certainly found during the time that I've been with Net Women and working with women through Net Women that we although companies can't provide this space for um say managers to come together Mm -hmm. we're offering that space where we're doing the kind of coaching training development you mentioned that you know you were going to come on to that what kind of things can or what kind of things can be done whilst everyone is kind of this hybrid format What can they be doing? What can organisations be doing? So there's a real, if you think
1: about how we spend our time. So when we're five days in the office, that's a real mix of meetings and sat at our desks. A hybrid working arrangement very much lends itself. So, So meetings are where that kind of bonding time takes you. And nobody in this space is denying that you Will form a deeper connection with somebody when you're in person with them and you're having those conversations than you know like you and I are talking talking now, and I think that's that's pretty widely accepted. But if you think about how your day divides up, so we've got this time where we on our desk doing things, we've got meeting times, we've maybe got team bonding times. There's there's no reason why you can't think about your working week in in those ways. So actually, what's the point in calling people? to the office three days a week if actually they're all going to spend their time in meetings with other people and there's going to be no connectivity and no learning anyway actually saying right we'll have a day a week where we put our team meetings in where we have we have learning and development where the junior team members do get to sit alongside um, you know more senior more experienced members of the team shadowing them learning them and that type of thing it just It just requires a bit of a rethink about how you spend your time, but it can be done in an intelligent way that enables you to overcome lots of the the challenges that are talked about. It's the same as um, the management piece, So having one-to-ones with people. You're gonna have a much better one-to-one with somebody if you're meeting them um, face-to-face, you're able to talk about issues, get a much better gauge for how they're feeling, how they're performing, what's going on, rather than trying to do all of those remotely over video calls. Again, kind of, it's how you, it's how you structure um, your time to, to make that happen. Um, I'm just trying to think about the challenges are now. So I talked about training, talked about, um, about one-to-ones and performance. I think the other, the other thing here that is absolutely critical, particularly from the business side of things, is that one of the things I find most incredibly frustrating is that I hear lots of boards talk about how their gender diversity drops off a cliff and they get to senior management so what we know happens is that we have talent coming up through the organization who often women women get to and i'm talking very typically here but they get to their early 30s and they decide that they want to start a family and they organizations aren't very good at bringing them back in or you know offering flexible working to suit that So lots of businesses will say, oh, we've got this real problem, you know, we've got no women over the age of 30, um, you know, working in our business unless they've come back in sort of at 50. Those same businesses are the ones that aren't supporting flexible working initiatives, aren't supporting returnships, aren't supporting women with, you know, confidence. I don't know about you, but I found after I have babies, my confidence absolutely drops off a cliff. I feel like I'm the worst person at everything, you know, how did I ever have a business conversation, any of those things. There are, you know, there are lots of tools that businesses can use to make that happen. And actually I've been talking to more, going back into sort of my old space and talking to more businesses about how they do this and what actions they can take and how they um, can improve their diversity through these certain tools. So just fundamentally the challenges might be slightly different but there are still there are answers to them and there are ways around things the answer never has to be i want you all back back here
0: yeah absolutely agree with that i think that um what you said about the attrition happening just at that point where women choose to go away and start a family and then seeing nothing until the children have gone to university or left home and you just kind of think well you know companies are just some of them not all of them sitting there not doing anything about it and and then complaining that they don't have enough women at the top table um I it's, think we
1: know that 72% of women fall out of the full-time workforce within three years of having children. That's how that's how massive the issue is. So if you can't cater for part-time, if you can't cater for remote working, if you can't cater to job shares, that that's what you're losing. That's you know that's that's pretty massive. We've just launched a um a big research piece called Careers After Babies: The Uncomfortable Truth. Um, and we're some of the. I'll, I'll chat to you about it another time, maybe. it's too big a topic for now. But some of the information coming out of, of that is just absolutely shocking. The, the salary drop-offs, the um, the seniority drop-off, it's it's just absolutely insane. And some and people's stories are absolutely heartbreaking. Um, you know, of, of what happens to them, how they're treated, what it does to their confidence. And I just think it's not that big a problem sorry, not isn't it's not that big an issue for businesses to solve. They don't have to do a huge amount to make this better. And I'm very much in the shame on you for not doing it, category. <laughs> that it, you know, this is a this is an easy problem for businesses to fix and they should be fixing it.
0: Absolutely. And, and we noticed since COVID that the bridging the gender gap at the top has gone mm. down. Um, and the fact that it's going to take even longer to reach yeah. gender parity. And equality at the top, and it's it's an issue, but not something that's rocket science. It's not, you know, it it is it is about like you said, when you have a child, your identity changes, that identity level changes, you your focus changes to this other human being, which is 100% fair enough, yeah. and the onus is on you to take care of that. Little human being, because most of the time the dads go back to work and, and the woman is left for primary care. And then this is where things like childcare issues come into play, which is another massive topic, and we've seen that recently with the UK government doing what they've done with childcare. Um if you were Able to change policies in the government, what would you do to help women? It's a massive question, right? I just came up with it.
1: (laughs) That's a huge question. I think the I think there's a couple of things you'd have to do. So there's obviously one in there around the cost of childcare and that being totally prohibitive. I think flexible working defaults, people talk about this a lot and having the right to request it from day one. I think I would go a step further than than that, and I would be saying that you know everybody has access to it and you, you know, you find a way to make it work. Um there are there are enough tools and ways of doing things now that none of these things should ever be an excuse for not doing them. The childcare one I'm always slightly reluctant on because I think actually there are those of us in the world who want to who want to bring our children up but I I always one of the reasons again that I went into doing my own business was so that I I could be there for those first few years because they're they're precious and they're such short times equally that doesn't mean that I don't want to work at all so I had eight months I mentioned earlier about how I left my job with a second baby I had eight to 10 months, I think it was, after the second baby was born. Then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, what what am I going to do? But it wasn't enough for me to be thinking about butternut squash mushing and nappies and that type of thing. I knew that that I needed a career with that. Um, and that's going to look different for everybody so some of us are going to want that and some of us aren't but I equally I would never have put my baby into nursery five days a week because that's not that's not something I wanted so that balance piece was really important for me whilst whilst they're young I think dads have a massive amount to play in this as well so we're still seeing something like only a five percent uptake on paternity leave and whilst that number is increasing a little bit, they're, generally men don't do things unless men more senior to them in an organization are doing it too so there's a real role modeling piece here about like dads in organizations dads in government you know being seen to actually take a bit of leave to care for their children but you know this isn't it doesn't have to be an all-woman thing anymore you know it can it can operate in the way that you in your you know relationship with your woman choose to choose to make that happen um and people talk a lot about you know allies and that type of thing. This isn't just a women's issue, this is this is a, a people issue, this is about the next generation, and all of us, I think, have a duty to make things better.
0: So true, so That's true. My
1: political, political speech for the day.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I've got your vote, brilliant. <laughs> I think that there is that going back to that identity level crisis that we have after we've had not everybody but most women will not have that confidence to go back to work what do you think what are the basics that organizations should actually be doing to encourage that behavior for women to actually go yes you know what I'm going to apply for that job I'm going to go for it because it's part-time it's flexible it does everything i want it to do it's hybrid um you know it seems like a decent company i want to work for them what-
1: so, so, it's a really interesting question isn't it so I, that works for me has two parts to it so we've got the business part where they um they can upload roles and we obviously talk to businesses a lot and on the flip side we've got between five and six thousand members who can go and apply for those and some of that's freelance and some of it's employment but what's very, very interesting is I was chatting to a new business client this morning and he said, oh, we, we like, we have a hybrid working arrangement. So we like people to come into the office two or three days a week, but we're not that precious about it. And I said to him, what do you put on your job applications? He he like, said, oh, on our job adverts. And he said, oh, well, we put that we need them in the office two or three days a week. And I said to him, you'll see a 75% drop off in applications just for having that statement in there. Because as a mother and a, and, a, and, a, and a woman or a father, actually, because actually we are seeing more dads, less so, but we are seeing some dads. As a mother in particular, if I look at that job advert, I think, how on earth am I going to be in London three days a week and still get my kids to school and, you know, still think about nursery and put just and uniform? Like, it's too much. The reality is, the survey that I mentioned earlier, we've also done. One of the one of the questions I ask in there is, what uh, what would be your ideal working arrangement? Most of them will answer two days in the office and the rest of the time at home, and yet when that's put on paper, they, they don't apply. But I I completely get it because I'd be exactly the same. But I'd find that really off putting. The reality is, once I got a job, I'd probably be quite happy to do it because you like to go in and socialise and you like to speak to different team members but i think as women we have this real if some if something's off putting we let it we let it put us off because we think oh, it's, going be, it's a challenge, it's a bit scary. I don't want to have the difficult conversation around that. You know, this is going to be hard enough that I'm having to put myself out there to go for a job that I'm not feeling 100% confident. Then on top of that, I'm going to add in this really awkward conversation about how I don't really want to come into the office two or three days a week, and it might put them off me. I just think we're, we're very... And I still get this now. God, even doing the things that, you know, the, the work that I do, I still think like this. I just think we're, we're just very easily have our confidence knocked. Whereas a guy, half the time, I don't think they even look at where the job is, what the hours are, <laughs> what their requirements are to be in the office. New dads do, so I see that quite a lot, actually. It's dads that have had a baby recently who are very much in that, or, you know, I want to be home, I want to be part of, of the baby's life. But a lot of the time, doesn't even feature in the mindset. It's very really interesting.
0: Crazy. I've been looking at things around competence and confidence and women generally are more competent at most yeah. of these uh, positions that they don't apply for because they don't have the confidence yeah. so
1: and they'll see they'll see any any slightly thing any slight thing that puts them off they won't apply so we have this community group where if we don't see, I guess where we work slightly differently to other organisations is, although it's a jobs board, we actually do quite a lot of work in the background to make sure we're seeing applications, because I have this real thing about making sure we do a good job for people if they give me money. You know, it sounds simple, but, <laughs> but I want to make sure that we, do, we keep up our end in the bargain. So if, we, if a role is advertised or a freelance opportunity is advertised where people haven't applied for it, we then go out to our community and we say, what's wrong with it? Because sometimes I'll speak to someone and I'm like, oh, cracking opportunity, they'll love it. Put it out there and we get hardly any applications and we'll, we'll go out and say, what, what's wrong with it? More often than not, it will be, oh, I had a, I had a question about that or well, that didn't look quite right, so I just didn't apply. And I'll say, why don't you message them and ask or message us and we'll find out. And it's just that, 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 oh no, no, it's all, it's all a bit big and scary. And I, I hate that for us, but I, I get it. I I completely understand. And again, I think businesses get very caught up in this. I need all of these competencies met and I, you know, I need this and I need this and I need this. And it makes a job advert look really quite intimidating the ones that work the best are the ones where they say, this is what we're trying to achieve. Here are some of the skills that we'd like. We're totally open to your, to your working pattern, get in touch. And people are like, oh, okay, well, they sound quite open. You know, they might be able to do something for me. And you can guarantee that sort of tone of advert will see see lots more interest because it's not quite so scary.
0: And it's so human. I think yeah. that we're so conditioned now to be a bit more human after covid right we had kids screaming in the background dogs barking postman knocking at the door whatever and it's i've noticed that that humanization that whole chat around just can we just be a little bit more less formal a bit more normal i don't even know what normal is but you know just that whole Just chat to me like I'm a human, not like... It?
1: Yeah, that, I think that difference between... So I always feel like in my corporate days, I had, I had a work personality. You know, I was this person at work. After I had my first baby, I went to work and I couldn't detach those personalities in quite the same way. So I just became this new version of Jess. I was I was a much, much better people manager. I had more friendships, I would say, at work. I had much deeper relationships with people because I wasn't in this, con- you know, this constant battle with myself as to hold the, the things that made me more feminine. You know, I was in the insurance space and I'm quietly spoken, you know, I'm blonde. I'm the, t- the polar opposite to the middle-aged men that I was working with. And I think... Weirdly, having children kind of gave me the confidence to embrace some of those things a little bit more, even though I had all of those other issues. But you know, it took a little bit of time, but I got there. And in the end, I think I'm a much better person because of it. Not to mention all of the new skills that you acquire when you have children, because you might not have been organized before you might not have been very good at prioritizing but if there's one thing that will fix that it's a baby (laughs) yeah
0: definitely I just before I had my son I wonder what the hell I did with my time because when I had him I was like wow what did I do with that time that I had on my hands People that are about to have a
1: baby will always say to me, oh, like, what should I do in my last couple of weeks? And I say, just walk in and out of your house a few times. Just, <laughs> just really quietly, <laughs> with no bags. Just walk in, walk out, get in your car
0: and go back in again. <laughs> yeah. Just really
1: enjoy those moments.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so true. Honestly, I do miss those moments where I had my feet up and I was reading a book and I had a hot drink in my hand because that never happened <laughs> for at least five years <laughs> So all of I drink all of my tea out of this thermos cup now. Anyway, <laughs> <Literally Yep. always laughs> <you how> <laughs> ever have a hot drink. <laughs> there you Sorry. go. Problem solved. <laughs> so how um I would actually love to continue this conversation because we could go off in so many ways about all the things that we've talked about. These are massive, massive topics that need to be sorted. And I love the fact that we're talking about them. What? Um, how can our our listeners find out more about that works for me? About you? How do they they find you?
1: So well, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Jessica Hebron, and I am listed on there obviously as uh, co-founder and CEO of That Works for Me. Email is Jess at ThatWorksForMe.co.uk, and obviously visit the website ThatWorksForMe.co.uk. Um, and if you're looking for opportunities, register in there. Uh, And if you're a business thinking about hiring one of our many thousands of incredible mums, then either get in touch or you can go go ahead and register on that also.
0: Amazing. Uh, One final question before you go. Uh, What advice would you um, give your younger self?
1: Just stop doubting yourself. Just know how bloody brilliant you are. Um, And stop doubting yourself. And it's the same thing I say now. I think when you, if you have children and you, my eldest daughter is very similar to how I was. And I tell her all of the things that I wish that I had told myself at that age. And it is, yeah, stop doubting yourself, be more confident, just try.
0: That is great advice. I love it. And thank you so much for being on here, Jess. Awesome. I love Thanks having conversation. Me. look forward to continuing our conversations as well.
1: Definitely.
0: definitely. So that's the episode done. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate your support. Email us if you'd like to feature or if you just have any ideas at all at hello at netwomen.co. That's Dot co, not co, dot UK. You can subscribe to our newsletter or just sponsor us with our mission create equity, celebrate equality. You can let us know what you think, leave a review, share, and tweet us at NetWomenCo, and find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook just by searching NetWomen. Also, head to our web, website for our latest blogs and updates at www.netwomen.co, or you can book a discovery call with me. On calendly.com backslash netwomen. Thank you for listening. Bye.